Hello, hello! Welcome to Anime Ichiban, Goobastomp's dedicated anime podcast. I'm your host, as always, Matthew Pontier. This week, I am joined by Kyle Rogoshone. You got the intro right that time. I did. <laughs> Little do the viewers know that this was my third take having a day so far. But yes, it is just Kyle with me today. Mm. Uh, Harry is has other business to attend to this weekend, so it's just a nice cozy episode of me and Kyle again. Kyle, how's it going with you? Are you more or less a little bit more settled into your new place um not really because i completely forgot that a friend of mine was going to be in town this weekend so what was going to be a you know relaxing weekend of unpacking my things and playing star wars games has turned into me i mean it's still a relaxing weekend but i'm not getting anything done Mm -hmm. so and how often do you see this friend uh like every three or four months <laughs> he, okay he, yeah. uh he, he's uh he's a high school buddy that comes up sometimes um mm-hmm. with another friend and he just comes up when he feels like it so yeah <laughs> uh, it's fun it's fun. yeah i totally feel you though sometimes where there's weekends like man this was great i socialized i had fun with my friends but now i feel like i need a weekend for my weekend before i go into the work week oh my god <laughs> okay. yeah yeah kind of just need a little bit of me time yeah. Okay. Well, you were unpacking. You said you wanted to play Star Wars. Did you actually get? To I play have Star been Wars? playing it. I am so so happy with Fallen Order. I am mm-hmm. insanely happy with how it just feels like Star Wars, and I'm very satisfied. Yeah, I've heard very good things about it. I'm, I'm very glad that it seemingly turned out well as well, mm-hmm. um, because I I had faith in this despite it being published by ea but it was being developed by respawn who makes good games yeah so yeah yeah i wanted to believe and i'm glad that it turned out well mm-hmm. yeah i I, w- I would say like right alongside anime and weeb stuff um i'm also like a big just fa- fantasy and sci-fi fan mm-hmm. um so that kind of thing and star wars was one of those series that you know i like a lot of people, you, you kind of just like grow up with it. Um, mm-hmm. But I have been very disenchanted by a lot of stuff that's come out. So it's it's nice to see a return uh, that's to understandable. form. Yeah. It's nice to see a return to form. Exactly. And just the whole setting of it, how you're playing as this Jedi who survived Order 66 mm-hmm. and is just kind of like in hiding. That's just very appealing and definitely a side of the Star Wars. Un- well, I guess we saw it a little bit, but not not explored to this extent. I feel like yeah, from a, yeah, and a that's third re- party perspective. That, that's really what it f- feels like has been missing from like the official Star Wars stuff that's come out from Disney. Is like it doesn't feel like they're really playing with the world enough mm-hmm. or the, the galaxy enough. Um, so yeah, it, it's nice to see uh, I, that something made by Star Wars fans can be a good Star Wars story because they understand what makes. A good mm-hmm. Star Wars story. Yeah, and I've been hearing, related to Star Wars fans also, I've been hearing pretty decent things about Mandalorian. Some, some dissent oh here my there, God. but also, yeah. I, am, I haven't oh, watched it, but... It's, it's so, it's so, this is the best time to be a jaded Star Wars fan. I'm so glad for you, because yeah, you you guys deserve a break after all uh, the shit it's that like, you've I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be like somebody who like rallies against like disney or whatever movies came out and be like oh this is the the end of the end of a franchise you killed it and it's like i'm not gonna be that dramatic but it's just mm-hmm. nice to see it, it, it's nice to see like something that i know and because it feels like 
the past few Star Wars movies haven't really been Star Wars, and it's like, what what, is, what am I watching? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't get that same feeling, but I you can I get that you same finally have here. something that you can enjoy with no strings attached. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it sounds like a lot of the previous Star Wars media, it's like I I like this, but but there's yeah. this this and yeah. that I have to look past that. Yeah. yeah. Whereas here it's, you're just having a good time. Yeah, I make a lot of concessions. Uh, with other stars. Well, I do that a lot. I, I watch a lot of slice of life anime, so <laughs> I, 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 making concessions is part of my media consumption mo. Mm-hmm. So, well, right. Star Wars yeah. good. What about you? Fallen what, Order what, is what, definitely what? on my playlist, but there's just so many games out recently. I feel like everything came out oh, for the yeah, span so of thirty days. In, in on the topic of weeb stuff um yeah i have matt to blame for uh me dropping 60 dollars for atelier reza <laughs> oh yeah that's right so <laughs> yep i forgot that's on my list as well yeah yep. it's, it's i want to go back to it's yeah cute. i want to go back to that at some point as well mm-hmm. for my part i've mainly been playing a whole lot of death stranding oh and oh how is boy that? boy is that a game and I won't go into too much because I know some people, it's still relatively recent and some people might want to wait to play it themselves. But like the way I describe it is that it's not a fun game, but it's a good game. It like hmm. there's, I it's go through, engaging. It, it is engaging, but I go through waves where I'm just like, there's parts where I'm just bored to tears, but then there are parts where I'm just like, I, I have to keep playing. And the other way I describe this is that I want to stop playing, but I can't. The game won't let me. So it's doing something, and to explain why would require a lot of nuance and going into specifics (laughs) that probably I don't want to go into right now. So bottom line is play the game. Yeah, it's it's absolutely worth playing. I feel like even if you actively don't enjoy it, it's still nothing else out there. And most people will still be able to appreciate the vision that it had and the ambition that it was trying to accomplish, even if you don't, even if it's not your game or you don't like it. Okay. All right. See, at the very least, like, that's something that I can respect with Kojima and his crew as, like, video game developers is that, yeah, they might not make, you know, like, fun games. (laughs) Um, like what is it? I think Metal Gear Solid Four has like literal hour long, hours long cutscenes. Yeah, I think there's a two hour long cutscene in it, if I recall. Um, but yeah, and it's like they they clearly know that, right? And they mm-hmm. they mess with what your expectations of a video game are. So. Yeah, and I will say like the setting that Kojima has created for this game is absolutely downright fascinating, and that's absolutely one of the driving forces for me to keep playing. It's just because it is so the. Because Kojima, Kojima absolutely has a reputation of creating these convoluted plot points and really weird worlds. And that's still present here. It's still out of this world wacky. But there's a consistency and cohesion to it where it's actually really easy to follow. But there's also a lot to dig into in classic Kojima fashion. So mm-hmm. it's really impressive how he's pulled that off. Okay. Right. But yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how it all comes together like. A non-spoiler way of putting it, because he's been in all the trailers, that I just met Mads Mikkelsen, um, mm-hmm. the character he plays, and so that's where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I want to play more. Besides that, I play a singular hour of the new Pokemon game. Oh, you ended up <laughs> I, getting it. Yeah, I, I told myself I wasn't going to get it this weekend because I wanted to either finish Death Stranding or finish Cold Steel 3. But then all of my friends were talking, and I'm like... Yeah, okay, so that's that's where I can... like. 
sympathize, I guess, <laughs> or understand <laughs> like buying a Divinity Pokemon, right? It's like I, <clears throat> even though I've grown up with Pokemon, I it it has admittedly like there have been a few incremental changes, but it's been the same game for the past twenty years. Mm-hmm. And really, the only reason I would ever have to buy it is if other people I knew were playing it. Um, right. Because That's there's a the whole multiplayer aspect, and then there's pot- talking about it with friends. So I like I bought the past couple Pokemon titles, but I didn't really have anybody to play with. So it was just me mm-hmm. going through the game, and you very quickly realize I have played this before. Mm-hmm. Um, which isn't bad if that's what you want, but I don't. I want something different. So right, yeah. For me, actually, this was an exception for me because I was going to buy it anyways. Really, I okay. just wanted to. Ho- I just wanted to hold off and like finish at least one of the games I already had. Mm. Um, because this is the first time I haven't bought a Pokemon game at launch since Gen three, nor- or a new generation of Pokemon at least. Yeah. So I, I'm still always been a pokemon fan that magic's never really worn off for me i just mm. wanted to hold off just a little bit but i couldn't uh. I, w- I was too weak so yeah I, but i totally understand all the um complaints about it and why people grew out of it as they got older but yeah for me, and, it still had the same magic and honestly like it isn't like yeah maybe it's a little colored by the controversy that's been surrounding sword and shield mm. but it's really just oh been, my God, like yeah. it, it, it's less about that and more about how I got Sun and Moon and was bored by that. <laughs> so I was like, uh, it, the, the controversy basically confirmed my own like sentiments about the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I really. feel like that's the case for a lot of people, for sure. Yeah. Alrighty. With that, this is going to connect into one of our news topics, so Uh-oh. it's very appropriate that we just start talking about a little movie that we both saw this past week, yeah? Oh my god. It's so yeah, good. So, it's so fucking Ka- good. <laughs> so Kyle and I both had the privilege of seeing the Konosuba movie in theaters. Mm-hmm. And without going to spoilers, but just general impressions, it was fantastic. It was it's just so good to be with this ragtag group of four stooges again. And I loved it. And there were tons of great, pretty explosions. What if about you, this Kyle? were the last piece of Konosuba media or animated media to ever come out, I'd I'd be okay with it. Yeah, I wouldn't like it. I'd be okay with it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the, the main complaint that Kyle and I both have is that the, the movie is about Megamine, which is fine because we both love Megamine. But because of that, Aqua and Darkness do kind of take a back seat in the story. So mm-hmm. there's not too much of their shenanigans, but it's still there. And it uh, just the what the gags that they pull off of Megamine and her family are just hilarious. I really, really wish we could have gotten more about her family mm-hmm. and just the Crimson Demon Clan in general, but it's a movie. You, they had limited you'd, you'd time. you think jokes about Chuni shenanigans would wear quickly, but it really doesn't. Nope. It's a lot of fun. But, uh, a lot, yeah, lot exactly. of good characters, uh, a lot of good moments. And yeah, I I, I really like Megamine. Uh, I really like Rie Takahashi. She's a really good voice actress and she pulls off the role fantastically. Um, so I, yeah, I don't have any complaints, but like Matt said, yeah, I want, I want more useless goddess. Mm -hmm. We got like a little bit of that in the very beginning. I know. I know. I was so happy when like you, we, we, we see her like whining and crying to Cosma and Mm -hmm. that's like really it. Darkness has probably one of the best gags though. Um, oh yeah. Um, towards the end. Yeah. Yeah. uh, When is it? Yeah. Yeah. I think it is towards the end. Um, yeah, I think I know which one you're talking about. Where, where, where they're talking about the orcs. 
Oh, never mind. That's no, that's really early on. It, okay, but yeah, there, there's that. Yeah, the, or, the orcs are like really early on. I was thinking of a different Douglas moment. Douglas has some good mileage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like they don't have that much screen time, but the screen time they do have, they make mm-hmm. worth it. They make it work for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, this isn't really a spoiler because it's literally the very first scene of the movie, but I just love how it opened up. Just the, a pristine feel. I'm just counting down in my head. I'm like, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? And then a toad shows up and just eats something. I'm like, oh, I guess it's not going to happen. And then a second layer, the explosion goes off. I'm like, oh, okay, there it is. <laughs> now we can start the movie. It was a good start. Um, <laughs> and it was nice because uh, this was probably the biggest crowd I've been to for a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, for an anime movie specifically. Um, and yeah, it was... So before the movie started, uh, they have this uh, pre-show interview uh, yep. where you know, they, they do that a lot in like the anime uh, industry where they have voice actors talking about the roles or the media that they're a part of. But this one, it was Cosma's voice actor, Jun Fukushima, and Ryo Takahashi, Megumin's voice actress, and they, they, they just talked about you know the process behind it, um, what it was like for them, and the role, what, what the role means <clears throat> for them. And it was really interesting to hear about how surprised they were with how popular Konosuba was with an international audience. Because mm-hmm. it definitely does feel like I, I can't really, at least by and large, people, people really like Konosuba. Um, yep. pick like a random anime fan in the West and they will probably like it. Um, which yeah, is like, it, it was nice to see just an audience full of people. Um, and I hope that that goes towards yeah. making a season three because I think and, who was it? The yeah. movie producer, I think said, yeah, maybe season three might come back depending on how the movie does. And that's as good of a segue as any to go into our first news topic. So uh, <clears throat> the Konosuba movie, it's two days of screening in the U.S. Oh, God. Earned $1.13 million. I am so... In is that two just the, days. Is that just the just, U.S.? Just the U.S. Oh, my God. Yeah. So 705000 on the first day, the 12th, and 429000 yep. on the 14th. People like Konosuba. <laughs> yeah, which is incredible. To give you a point of comparison, mm-hmm. uh, the movie in Japan, since it came out, and as of September 15th, has earned 4.72 million US dollars. So in 2 days in the US, it earned a fourth of the revenue that that's, all of Japan has earned. So that's that's pretty crazy. Yeah. And um, granted, yes, because it's 2 days you're going to have these ultra concentrated amounts everyone trying to see this movie. But to your point, your movie was sold your theater was sold out, my theater was sold out. If there were more showings, I guarantee you there would have been more people to go mm-hmm. that would have gone and seen it. So mm-hmm. To your point and to uh, the interview's point and to the producer's point, there is a very ravenous audience for Konosuba Media in the West. And it's just a testament to anime films in general as well, how they became more and more prominent, began began getting more and more screenings of anime films out in the U.S., outside of Japan. And I haven't seen revenue for them, but this one really puts in perspective, especially when you compare it to the total revenue for the Japanese Mm-hmm. Uh, premiere well, as, well. as far as like the trend of movies showing in the west um first of all yeah it does feel like even compared to like three or four years ago maybe when you get like one or two movies a year the fact that i've already seen like four or five different movies there was like what the bunny girl movie mm-hmm. um what else came out from this year? Right. yeah 
um, just a whole bunch of stuff coming out. And it's like, it, it, it's, it came up in the whole uh, streaming discussion that we've had, but mm-hmm. if you give people the opportunity to pay for media they enjoy, surprise, we'll pay for it. Yep. It's pretty nuts considering not too long ago, like four or five years ago, you would have, it would be such a toss up and more than likely not going to happen for an anime movie to get a screening in the US. You most likely mm-hmm. would either have to watch mm-hmm. Camry or wait for the DVD or something. I remember I was just so over the moon stoked when the first two Madoka movies got announced for U.S. screenings. And the nearest screening for me at the time, because I was in Tex- San Antonio, Texas, going to school, mm-hmm. was over in Houston, oh. which was about a two-hour drive away. Did you and do so, it? yes, my friends and I, we loaded all, we all loaded up in a car. We drove fucking two hours down to Houston oh on a God. school night, watched both movies, drove two hours back the same night, and then went to school the next day just because... It was an event. Man, that's gross. This, yeah, anime movies just didn't happen in the U.S. outside of Ghibli yeah, films. Yeah, And now, not only are they becoming more frequent, they're just they're in a lot more locations too. You don't have to go out of your way. By the time that the third, the third Madoka movie came out, it was in San Antonio. Yeah, we so don't really I don't know how anywhere. it's been for your distribution, but for us, they partner with theaters, um, and they re- they they get like actual advertising. So uh, the the local I don't know if it's local, but the the, the chain that I've gone to is uh, called Regency, Regent Cinema. Okay. Um, and they have been, like, the ones to, like, always... They, they basically send out notifications and ads for, like, upcoming movies, and they include, like, hey, here's Konosuba coming up. Um, so, and, and because there are, like, six or seven of them in the, like, Seattle metropolitan area you can you you have like a good selection of theaters uh being supported by a like theater chain mm-hmm. um not only with advertisement but with locations so you have people knowing about it more and across a wider like larger area yeah so yeah it really is just like compared to you know when we were younger yeah, it's, yeah to your it's, point it's also so konosuba premiered in 600 theaters in the u.s oh during God. those days compared to again going back to the earlier movie screenings you could literally count how many theaters were, were premiering on both hands probably mm-hmm. maybe yeah. a little bit more and so it's really is i i'm also it's almost a good thing harry isn't on for this because i'm sure this would make him really sad because i don't think the uk or just europe in general is nearly as generous when it comes to movies and no. that's a real shame yeah. and i understand because it's a lot trickier for europe because each individual country would be a new licensing yeah. fee, a new new yeah. court thing to go through. And I can only imagine just how much yellow tape that is to get through. But mm-hmm. if they were to somehow make it available, it would, it would blow up as well. It's, there's no doubt in my mind, knowing Harry and now just all the other people <laughs> working on the site, there is a tangible, tangible demand for it in Europe as well. Yeah, well, give it time. I mean, really, I it, it honestly still is crazy. Um, and when we were talking before recording about the the best anime of the decade, right? And that that mm-hmm. brought me back to like, okay, you know, what was I watching back in like 2009, 2010? Um, and I'm thinking how like in that time, yeah, I mean, don't do it, kids, because it's illegal. But I <laughs> spend most of my time watching shows that were like on video hosting sites, or I pirated it, and it's like that's that's how we did it because mm-hmm. that's all that was available. But now I'm sitting here in my room looking at a stack of Girls Last Tour and Nendoroids uh, that I bought through, you know, 
American websites, and I'm like, all right, I'm pretty happy. It, it's a good time to be a weeb. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, Especially because I know what it was like before everything was convenient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we we don't even know what it was like before it was even like illegally convenient, where people I, had I do to remember. go to video. I do. Oh, remember. so you, okay. I wasn't around for yeah, that part. Um, well, barely remember, uh, or vaguely remember, because I was like six or seven. Um, I go to the mall and there was like the local video store and mm-hmm. it, it was terrible because they would put anime like normal, normal anime, like, oh my goddess or love Hina and stuff like that along with hentai. <laughs> so you'd be a weirdo if you're looking at it and it's like, oh, you know, here's Akira and then here's like tentacle monsters. So that's great. Um, yeah. It just, it had this like weird niche like super niche vibe to it Mm -hmm. um which also like when you're getting into anime like there there is a little bit of stigma that you kind of bring to it and you have to get over that Mm -hmm. um it's like yeah i felt kind of embarrassed like when i was what 12 or 13 that i was like watching Haruhi. it's like oh this is like anime girls i'm not going to tell people i like this but you know now i have a kirino nendoroi just like looking at me on a shelf so yeah whatever i like oriimo what are you gonna do about it (laughs) <laughs> you're a rare breed i like it too anyways <laughs> but yeah, we just lost half our viewership yeah. listenership <laughs> but yeah it's just it, it, it's nice to see you know going back to the whole kona see the thing yeah. it, it was nice to see walking into the theater and just a bunch of normal people just watching an anime movie and mm-hmm. i think the i don't know how your audience was for you at your showing but they were very raucous and like into everything that was happening so it was nice to laugh out loud with people Right, yeah, yeah. We were definitely laughing at the laugh out loud moments for sure. I wouldn't say there was like any anything beyond that. It was just if it was it was as if I went to any other comedy movie. I feel like that was the theater I was kind of theater I was with. Okay, hmm. yeah, yeah. But still, All it, right. it was nice to have yeah. that like pub, uh, energy in public. Yeah, exactly. Because you don't really get that outside of other conventions. Mm-hmm. All right. Speaking of conventions, Anime New York is happening right this moment and is uh wrapping up pretty soon as well i think some of my friends are actually getting on the megabus to come home right now oh, nice. but uh there's been quite a few announcements come out of that as i talked about before i'm just shocked by how big this convention is this is its, year in its second three? year second year oh my god yeah year two year. okay wow. yeah and so there's tons of things that have come out but one of the things that i'm most excited about that kyle probably has no idea what this is and a lot of you mm. people listening probably don't have any idea what it is but a little known rhythm game called demo is getting an anime movie produced by Production IG and Signal Signal MD. Oh, wait, didn't you write an article about that? Like I, I wrote the re- I wrote the review for the Switch version. Yeah, way yeah, back yeah, when. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, have you heard of Demo outside of that, Kyle? Outside of it, no. Um, I've just like I looked into it. I'm I, I like rhythm games, but I don't go out of mm-hmm. my way to play them. Right, and so. I normally don't cover these kinds of uh, movie announcements or show announcements because it's like, whatever, what's there to talk about? But uh, there's a few things to uh, touch on here. One, because this is a rhythm game Hmm. (laughs) that's pretty, pretty unique there. But what I am really excited about is there are very few pieces of media out there that will make me cry like a little bitch. There are even fewer Hmm. rhythm games, i.e. one i.e. Demo, hmm. that have also made me cry like a little bitch. Hmm. Demo has such 
an emotional story to it it is it hits you completely out of nowhere you do not like you go into the game it's pretty melancholic and whatnot but you you'd have no idea what you're in for by the time you it has an actual story that progresses and an actual ending that happens that just absolutely rips out your soul and just shreds it to pieces and so to i can only imagine so this can now go either way for the movie because looking at the trailer, it looks like they're adding in some extra scenes that didn't happen in the game because that makes sense. There wasn't a whole lot of cutscenes in the game. So that could either detract from the main message or it can just like absolutely amplify everything to the nth degree. So hmm. I am very curious to see this. The basic rundown of the premise is that there is a shadowy figure in a lone room. His name is Demo and he just kind of like plays piano for all eternity one day, this young girl falls um, from the sky from a window up at the very top of this tower into his lap. And so he just kind of cares for her. And they notice that every time Demo plays the piano, a tree starts growing out of his piano. And so they figure if he plays the piano enough, the tree will go- grow tall enough for the girl to reach the window at the top of the tower. And so that's where the rhythm game aspect comes out. The better you do, the more the gr- tree grows. And hmm. it goes from there. You, there's a, a little exploration. The more the tree grows, the more access to Demos Tower you have. You go off and you examine and investigate different aspects of it. You learn the mystery. And it's really cool. Yeah, it's on a bunch of different platforms. It's on that's such a smartphones. Fascinating, it's on PSP. That, not, yeah. not just for like a video game. That, that, that's really cool that a rhythm game has that. But I can mm-hmm. see how that would easily translate to a movie. Or, mm-hmm. or a sh- it's a show or a movie? movie it's a, yeah i can see how that yeah. would translate to a movie because that's just a very that's a very cl- classic sounding fantasy premise like a, exactly. a, fa- a fairy tale yeah and the one caveat is that it, this is a cg movie but it looks mm. like it's well, like it's Land production of IG, level CG. Yeah. so and the thing is in the trailer they show demo mm. playing the piano and the cg works really well because they can put a lot of attention to detail on like the finger stroking the keys <clears> because <throat> that's really difficult in 2d animation and so yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I imagine that'll pay off. So yeah, I'm really excited about that. It okay. says uh, expected to wrap up in 2020. Uh, so I'm not sure what that means released in 2020 as well, but mm-hmm. there, there's that. So I'm excited about that. Definitely check out the game if you're interested, if you like rhythm games. Even if you don't like rhythm games, I think the story is pretty worth it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. All right, moving on. We got two... Uh, this is a lot... We got a lot of news topics related to not so much Japan this week, actually. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever gone on a cruise, Kyle? No, <laughs> no, I haven't. Um, but you've been to anime conventions, right? Uh, I actually haven't. I've never been to an anime con. Oh, I mean, I've been, I thought, I've been to okay. conventions. That's right. You've been to game conventions. Yeah, I've been to a lot con. of gaming conventions. Okay. Well, what if you could check both of those off your list at the same Is time? Is there an anime cruise? Jesus. Oh my <laughs> God. So, uh, Power Level Agency has announced a four-day cruise called Osh Anime, as in like ocean and anime yeah. smushed together. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And so it's departing from Long Beach, California, on April 23rd, and it will go and visit the port of Ensenada, Mexico, on April 25th before returning on April 26th. And so this is a trip that will feature, quote unquote, intimate experiences with Eastern cuisine, art, music and films. Events will include cosplay, karaoke, game shows and exclusive events not typically available at anime conventions. It will it will be it's designed to facilitate interaction between fans of J-pop culture, anime and other other related. This is certainly something. Yep. And so this is a 21 and up 21 and older crew oh, sorry Lord. kiddos 
It's just yep. going to be a bunch Only of the like big boys. bougie, drunk anime fans. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, that uh, actually sounds you know, not that bad. Yeah, exactly. It's up to 2,000 people. And it. I don't know why they get the ticketing this way. Because it's not like you can get off the cruise part way. But it's $300 per night for an interior room. Or 550 per night for an ocean view room. Which, it's three nights long. Which means for the entire cruise, it'd be $900. Yeah, I'm looking uh, at the pricing right now. It, Wait, yeah, wait, it's, it's 300 per person, but it's like 1300 per, What is this? Early yeah, thir- 300 per person per night, but you have to stay the whole time. So you have to stay the full oh three nights God. unless you stay in Mexico. So that, who, it's essentially $900 per person for an interior room. Who wants this? Uh, from what I know, that's pretty par for the course for a cruise, I think. Mm, as far. I guess. But yeah, it, it, it's, it's exactly as you said. It's going to be full of... Uh, high swing bougie anime fans, which I feel like if you can make it and you're that much of a fan, it'd be really cool to meet other fans that have made it I, that big as well. I, I guess. So. I, <laughs> mm, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It was weird. It was really weird. There's also yeah, I, a suspicious lack of like anime imagery on this website. Oh, I haven't actually looked at the website. It just looks like like a standard like cruise. I don't know. They're, they're, hmm. Right, yeah, because this is the first time they're doing it. I, I can't because this is a this is a normal cruise ship that they will be converting over I'll, to I'll it. I'll give it. I'll so, give yeah. it uh, till year two. You know, let's check out their Twitter. Yeah, what's, what's going on? Here? This is right. well. This is definitely something. Um, yeah. I'm interested. Yeah, I'm interested, interested in it too. But probably won't. I'd rather save that money for another trip to Japan. Probably. Oh, yeah. I, I think that's the other thing. It's like, why would it? Yeah. Because like, if you're spending that much money, well, I guess if you're spending that much money, like you could go to Japan whenever you want. <laughs> and like, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's their target audience, right? It's like people who have the money to blow on this. Exactly. Yeah. Because there's absolutely 2000 rich weebs out there that would pay for this. <laughs> 2000 is in the, and, and in America. Absolutely. <laughs> oh my God. There's a Megalobox too. Yeah, that just got announced. Oh, sorry. This is going on a bit of a tangent now because uh, this this account, uh, this Twitter account for Ocean Anime is like retweeting a bunch of stuff from Anime NYC. Anyway, I'm right, going to stop yeah. looking at that because you probably have news. <laughs> okay, yep. So moving on, another US-based thing. So uh, digital manga tool Clip Studio Paint is going to be distributing free software to 10,000 Texas schools. Okay. Why specific? Yeah. Are they based in Texas? No, they're not. It's just that they are. Yeah, Mm. it. So, Clip Studio Paint is a graphic software for illustrations, manga, and animation, and it's very favored by digital manga artists, and is used in the industry as a tool for game and animation studios as well as university and vocational schools. Oh, and they are just donating it to all these Texas schools between October twenty third through June thirtieth to foster um, creativity in these schools. So. One, this is really interesting because it's a very, again, a very prominent manga tool being distributed. But also, of all states, I wouldn't expect Texas. I, okay, so I was I, I was just thinking about that. And th- I would wager, is it sponsored by, like, Funimation? Not that I see. Okay. Um, hmm, that's... It's working with the nonprofit Texas Computer Education Association. All right, well, that's all I got. <laughs> the, yeah. the only thing I know about anime in Texas is that Funimation's based out of Texas. Ah, uh, that's right. They're in Austin. Yeah, so there could be something there. I don't know. That, that, for, well, that's neat, regardless of mm-hmm. what state it's in. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm just imagining art classes 
subjecting all their students to learning how to draw manga okay well, okay well the stip- <laughs> I, I doubt they're, they're like including the stipulation that oh you gotta draw manga <laughs> to use our software i would like to believe that's the oh case i would really like to believe that's the case where manga drawing is now part of the texas school curriculum <laughs> well we can see we'll see could you imagine all the chuni cases that would foster oh my god like just ugh, no no, nothing. <laughs> yep, I I tried to get into drawing when I was younger in high school, uh, because I wanted to make a legitimate effort to be able to draw anime, draw manga, and I put in like a solid three months into it. And I got semi decent, but in the end, I just wasn't having fun with it. And for something that's supposed to be a hobby, even when you're practicing, I feel like oh, it yeah, should have been fun. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't keep up with it. Yeah, but I mean, I and I, I think that's good that they're at least having this option right to a bunch of kids Mm -hmm. um because you you know you you had the opportunity to explore that right right um and this just gives kids the the tools and the means to figure out if that is a hobby for them exactly and with some maybe yeah with some uh guidance on it as well and as opposed to me just being like i'm gonna open up this Sailor Moon panel and trace it and see oh, if I can learn from that. Oh my god. That's a li- I, I learned how by drawing Sailor Moon characters. <laughs> uh, oh, well, I mean, going off of that too, just um, like, especially if, because I, I imagine if you're using the software, like, you, you have to know where it's coming from and know what it's used for. And chances are they're going to talk about manga and animation, mm-hmm. right? And the Japanese, like, artist scene right and that's just another indicator that hey like japanese media is not degenerate well completely mm-hmm. exactly and it's like yeah. it's normalized it's normalizing it yeah again just coming all coming back to how it's becoming excuse me more and more mainstream outside of japan which is very nice to see mm-hmm. all right finally coming up to a news topic that is in japan this is unfortunately kind of depressing oh, how there's okay. been a report that's come out that and this isn't surprising but it's just depressing to see in numbers how the number of arcades in japan oh, yeah. has dropped from twenty six thousand to now four thousand yeah. in the past 30 years and so it, it's not not at all surprising that they're going away but japan has always been kind of like this last bastion of arcades in the world and they have a lot of really neat arcade games, but it's just yeah, a dying breed on, in the end. It's, I was kind of disappointed that I, f- mm-hmm. I, I actually found that out firsthand when I was in Japan uh, in August. And yeah, arcades, like they're still around, but I'd say like 70 to 80% of them are just like UFO catchers and rhythm games. And it actually like took me a good bit of effort to find like yeah. a Gundam pod or fighting games and i thought they'd right. be like readily accessible but that's not the case and that yeah, news exactly. headline kind of reflects that mm-hmm. yeah so to to your point for example when they have like a street fighter 2 tournament uh at the arcades the average age of the participants is over 40 years old. Oh, oh. yeah no. And they mentioned how a famous Kowloon-themed arcade, Anataga Warehouse Kawasaki, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in Yokohama is closing yeah. today. Um, and it's been open since 1980, basically. So, yeah, yeah it's... Uh, I, don't, I don't think there really is a way 
to salvage arcades because the only way to give an experience that is different from that provides something different than a phone or a console or a computer is to have these really elaborate arcade games but then you run into the problem of the like these are probably going to cost a lot to play yeah like are you and, even like you you might not even break yeah. even and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's just like how it. I don't know I, how you I have seen this. a resurgence in the U.S. Not not a huge amount, but they're 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 they're, they're holding on, and the way I've seen it is through barcades. Right. Yeah. So you have like people our age who you know like arcade machines and would like to play them, but we also like drinks. So mm-hmm. if we can go to a place that caters to both of that, that just makes it easier for us. Because I don't think I'd go out of my way to, like, go that often to an arcade. But if that place also gives me drinks, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, it's a reason for me to be there beyond right, the game. Exactly. Which is really what people need in, like you said, an era where there's mobile games, consoles, handhelds everything that you can get from an arcade experience at home in terms yeah. of games so you need to offer something that isn't that the, that i can't get at home which is a bar <laughs> so yeah maybe, maybe uh, we have a, we have a few arcades in boston but the thing is all all of them are retro games which yeah. like retro games are fun and all yeah. but it's just like they're more of a novelty that mm-hmm. i could i'll do if it's around, it's like, oh, I'll play like around a Pac-Man, yeah. but I definitely don't seek that well, out. That's why some of the barcades that I really liked are the ones that have like a House of the Dead or Time Crisis. Right. Or, exactly. Like, well, I don't think I've seen a barcade that has DDR. I feel like that'd be a bad idea. Oh, that'd be a horrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> but like if um, if you had like a, a barcade that had like mech fighting games or like tank battles, it's like, all right, yeah, I totally love to do that while I'm drunk. Well, maybe motion sickness might be an issue. I don't know. Right. I know there was a Star Wars pod arcade game. I can only imagine playing that drunk. That would be a recipe for disaster. Yeah, maybe that is. I don't know. I, I'm sure people have yeah. thought about yeah. this and how to keep the arcade industry alive, but maybe, right, exactly. maybe it's I, just what I think. I think what's going to be cool, though, is they're going to continue to be going away in Japan, but the ones that do survive, the ones that somehow make it, are going to... They're going to have some sort of breakthrough. They're going to figure something out. And I look, I, I look forward to seeing I what really that is. Hope. I really hope. Yeah. Because right now... I don't, there's no way they'll go completely extinct. Right I now, don't think so. It's just like... <laughs> crane games, rhythm games, and gotcha. And mm-hmm. it's just kind of... It's kind of upsetting to see that. <laughs> yeah. Kay. Granted, I love rhythm games. But yeah, you can't just uh, yeah. have a whole arcade to it. All right. Moving right along. So... Uh, people like say use the voice actors and actresses of uh, anime. We were just talking about Rita Takahashi and uh, what was his name? Jun Fukushima. Jun Fukushima, yeah, for Konosuba. And they have their own radio shows and so on and so forth. They had their own, for example. One prominent voice actor is uh, Yuki Kaji, mm-hmm. who he's voiced prominent characters such as Eren, Attack on Titan, Melodius from Seven Deadly Sins, Todoroki and My Hero Academia. Oh, that's he's Melodious? like one of really. Yeah, he's got a very wide range of characters. That. Yeah, and so he's very prominent. One of the most prominent male voice actors out there. He also has his own radio show, Kaji Yuki no Hitori Goto. And so now you can hear his wonderful voice while getting a back massage. Okay, well, 
How? Ba- <laughs> Basically, they are selling a back massage cushion that at the same time spouts famous lines of Yuki Kaji from his various roles and his radio show. The work is in collaboration between the radio show and Lourdes Massage Cushion brand. Uh, Kaji explained that this is meant to be a soothing and relaxing experience. Or the show is meant to be a soothing and relaxing experience, hence the tie-in with a cushion. So, we get this, but our caves are dying. So, you know, <laughs> that, that, just, that just shows, that, you know, the state of our uh, entertainment This cushion industry. is $130, by the way. <sighs> Right. Next topic. <laughs> Shall we move on? I don't. I don't like. Why not even say to that? Like, yeah, g- great. Like, I don't know. Just, just a cushion. Like, just, yeah. just like get 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 a normal cushion. And, like, put headphones on and listen to the show. Like, who 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 is the target audience for that? You know what? No, let's talk about it. Who's the target audience? Who's the target audience for a fucking voiced pillow? Does it have his likeness on it? No, it's it looks just like any other massage pillow. Then why would I fucking buy it? Because it has, yeah. like, because, like, it comes in a box that says it's licensed or that it's, like, approved by him. Yeah, it's not even autographed or anything. It doesn't, I don't see any branding or anything on it whatsoever. Like, I can, okay, just, I, I can yeah. see somebody buying that if, for, for, if it were from a voice actress. But a right, voice yeah. actor. Like, okay, so are, are, are female otaku as prominent as male? In Japan, because it feels like that's the case here in the West, but like, is there enough? Like, would, would like, is there like a fucking Fujiyoshi that would buy that? Oh, probably. I guarantee you. I, I think this is one of those things where even if you just sell a few of them, you've, you've already already made, made a, a lot. Pro- Jesus. Yeah, what, it's like a ten, like ten dollars to manufacture, so they decide to like mark it up by like a thousand percent. Ugh. Okay. Yeah. Next topic. Just, uh, Next topic. Yes, it's, it's just like oh gross. Japan. Not even okay. oh, not even oh Japan. This isn't <laughs> even fun. This is just like I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like it. Whatever. Next topic. My jaw is getting sore from grinning so much. That <laughs> your reaction. All right. Moving on. We got our episodely live action adaptation. Mm-hmm. You're never gonna guess it. All right. Then what, 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 what is it? It is a uh, Mai Sarazanmai. which is. Oh, the that's show the, a couple the seasons sh- ago, the yeah, 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 with the Kappas, which again is not one I would think would get live action yeah, stage play. I'm just, I, I'm just so curious how well these do because I feel like there are so many of these stage plays that happen. I'm also really curious, like what tier the mm. actors are. Is this like considered an a gateway gig like this is what you do to get into the big leagues or is this considered the big leagues it's like, like its own thing. I, I have so many questions about all these stage plays and how the, how they're prominent and i don't think i'll ever get answers on them maybe i mean you, you kind of get something similar here in the u.s where there's a lot of movies that get musicals all right like mm. lion king but those are those are very clearly like high production value well, mm, big yeah well, I'm thinking of the Lion King one, I guess. I can't think of any of this off the top of my head right now. I guess there's like, there, um, there was like a Spider-Man musical. There was... Oh, I didn't know about it. Oh, there's Spongebob musical right now. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. I've God. heard that's really good. Yeah. <laughs> See? So maybe it might even be like yeah. that, where it's like, hey, well, we'll take this. You know, people want... There's going to be an audience for it, I guess. So, oh, yeah. I'm... There has to be, because they keep happening. Who the fuck's watching a Spongebob musical? 
some of my friends. I kind of want to watch it too. Yeah, see that. Maybe you just watch it for the morbid curiosity. Like, hey, hey, hey how, yeah. are they, how are they going to make a kappa on stage? I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just weird. Whatever. Mm-hmm. It's... Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, uh, the uh, the Kimetsu no Yaiba stage play is still a go. Oh, uh, I gotta nice. say, the costume design for that one is on point. Really? They, oh, like a lot of the that. costumes for these other stage plays look really dumb, especially the Sars on my one. But the costumes for the uh, Kimetsu no Yaiba. Because, again, also the characters in that one are very distinctly Japanese as well. And so it, it goes better together. Mm-hmm. And not all the characters... That's a lie. Scratch that. I was about to say not all the characters have super stylized hair. But that's a big fat lie. Um, but anyways, they, they look very slick. I gotta uh, say on that. Yeah. This definitely looks like very high quality cosplay. This Inosuke is really weird. <laughs> I didn't see the Inosuke. That's a good, that's a good boar head. Oh, yeah. It has to be. If it was just like... I've seen some pretty bad boarhead Inosuke's <laughs> floating around, but to to their credit, it's not easy to make that in the first place. I imagine so. Yeah, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's that's neat. Good, good, you yeah. know, good for the author. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good for yeah, the author. Yeah, it's just when when you make when these manga start out, getting even an anime adaptation is the last thing on their mind. They're just stoked that they're being serialized at all. And then to go from that to getting an anime, the anime doing well is an important mm-hmm. part, not being butchered, must make you over the moon hyped. And then for it to be so well received that it goes on to get a stage play. Can you just imagine it, getting that kind of praise? Yeah. The well, people are that <clears throat> happy about your series. It's, it's interesting because I actually picked up uh, the One Piece manga again. Um, mm-hmm. Just because, you know, I was like, all right, you know, it's been a while. I know people are still having fun with it, even in, like the 900s. In the chapter, like chapter nine hundreds, um, so I, I I picked it back up, and it's neat to see Oda writing a lot of like those you know post chapter like uh, authors commentary and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. he's talking about like how excited he is to be published. He like One Piece got like a movie after like its sixth volume, and he's here we are twenty years later, and it's like arguably one of the biggest, longest running franchises mm-hmm. in like Japanese media history, and right. it's just cool to see like where it came from, mm-hmm. um, and how much it ballooned, and it, it's the same thing because and yeah, in the end, it's just these people that have an idea that they're really passionate mm-hmm. about, and they just want to share that idea with the but world. The, I don't. Yeah. The unfortunate side is I was actually reading, so somebody on Reddit compiled a list of. Uh, like all of the series within the past like five or so years that had started on Shonen Jump and then gotten mm-hmm. canceled. And oh, there yeah, are there's that side of things a too, yeah. lot. And yeah. they also did a write up of like what those authors are doing now. And some of them are still going. Because, um, you know, just because your series gets canceled doesn't mean, you know, you're never going to be an artist. Like Horikoshi had like two canceled series before My Hero Academia. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's different for every artist, but there are a lot of them that just, like, they haven't done anything since. It's like, God, it's yeah. it's a rough process. It's definitely very cutthroat, which is, ah, it's it's really, yeah, that's the other side of the coin. That's sad to think about how even if you do make it, it there's no guarantee. It, it reminds me of, I don't know if you ever watched the ne- Next Food Network Star or No by Guy Fieri. Yeah. Yeah, so Guy Fieri was the winner of the second season of Next Food Network Star. Really? And he is the, ol- he is the only... Yeah, people don't realize that because he's he so popular. He started off on, like, 
uh, like a competition. He won the game. Yeah, he won the game show, and he's the only winner from that series that actually like made it into no something. Way. All the other winners had like a single run, and then just they drifted away into obscurity. the The first winner was a uh, a gay couple, and they started up their show, and it just went kaputski. Guy Fieri started up, it took off, and then Food Network tried to find the next Guy Fieri, and it just never that's happened. So crazy that that's how yeah. we got his start. Yep. So it's, it's similar to that. Even if you do make it into these businesses, it's not a guarantee that yeah. it's going to have keep going. That's really sad to think about when all the effort and passion you put in just keep making it in there. And yeah, then I mean, it could still fall apart. The, like it, it, It's really true of like any creative industry. And like, I, I see that a lot with the like indie with indie game development. And it's like, you see a lot of people mm-hmm. you know put in like years of time and effort and it releases the game releases and it just kind of falls under the radar uh, i think mm-hmm. there, there was a game that came out like within the past year called where the water tastes like wine and hmm. haven't heard they of it yeah. Had, yeah, see exactly yeah case yeah, in point yeah, yeah <laughs> right so they had spent like thousands of dollars working on it they had gotten like professional voice actors they got like a bunch of awards and they ended up being in the hole for like thousands of dollars so you know, it's just it mm-hmm. just didn't take off, and that's that, that's kind of the case. Like you, any time, no, no matter how much like talent you have or how good of an idea, it really is kind of a gamble. Mm-hmm. You got to have passion behind it because if you don't, like that, yeah. you're not going to be able to carry that weight. Yeah. That's for sure. So. I could pull out any number of anime quotes to uh, describe that. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, well, so yeah. Br- bringing it all back, good for the Kimetsuno Yaiba author. <laughs> or yeah, and the on my author. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, oh yeah, we'll do this really quickly because this is also related to what we were just talking about in relation to getting into the industry. Uh, studios Comics Wave, CloverWorks, Wit Studio, Mappa, and Grizzly are doing like a community showcase at the Tokyo Anime Center okay. that is intended to provide in- information and also recruit potential new animators to the business. Oh, it's nice. meant to, as a connection event. So people that are interested come and meet the people in the studios on the ground floor, like learn what it's like and potentially like get exchange some business cards and get their hands in the industry. Because yeah, that's something I've always wondered is how these animators get into the studios. I'm sure there's like traditional application processes and things like that, but uh, I feel like it all comes down to uh, recommendations and kind of who you know as well and so this is just a kind of glimpse into that they have there's a few pictures here of all the exhibits you got the storyboards and things like your name uh Pramare and things okay. like that it's or not Pramare uh uh Zombieland Saga mm-hmm. but yeah it's it'd be definitely a cool thing to go to that admission is just ten dollars oh, okay yeah to get in so yeah it's like nothing oh, but yeah neat, neat little thing Go see a little behind the scenes, meet the people there, mm-hmm. especially for that cheap of a price. Make some connections. Mm-hmm. All right. That's it for the news for this week. Now we're going to move on to our Shitsumon, which it's not even really that much of a Shitsumon this episode because basically we are talking about what's good this season and what's maybe not so good. We're we're about halfway through this uh, fall? Yeah, fall, fall. fall season mm-hmm. of anime. That always mixes me up. It's cold enough to be winter right now. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, we're about halfway through this fall season. We've been watching a few shows here and there, and we just want to want to talk about what we've been enjoying, what's not so much. So this is going to be broken up into three different 
categories where you got the yabayo, which yabai means like, oh no, or bad, or crap. And so that's the show. It's just like, okay, put the brakes on. Maybe think about it a little bit before you start watching it. Might not mm-hmm. be the best. Then you got the oh, mama desu, which is like, oh, it's, it's fine. It's it's not, nothing special, but like, it's fun to watch here and there on the weekly. And then you got the kakui yo, which means it's so cool. And that's the one that we really highly do recommend. Yes, I am a giant fucking trash weeb. What of it? Yes. <laughs> All right, so Kyle, do you want to start off with any of those? Shokugeki, don't watch it. That is your yabai. Yeah, just just don't. It's like it, it's it's like an abusive relationship that you just keep coming <laughs> back to and like hoping that it'll change and go back to what you thought it used to be, but it's not. It's gone. It's gone. It's just don't don't, mm-hmm. don't even bother with Shokugeki anymore. And what what are the, what is the reason for that? I know your reason, but tell our wonderful listeners. <laughs> oh, like like why why it's like that, or like why I. Or yeah, like why, that? why yeah, why you feel like that? Yeah, it's just so Shokugeki was your cookie cutter by the numbers shonen, um, and the twist was that it's all about cooking, and there's a heavy amount of fan service, and it wasn't anything more than that, and it did it well. It did it well because it focused on its two strengths which were the fun characters and the cooking. Because for a ridiculously over-the-top fan service campy show, it treated the cooking pretty respectfully. Like, there's a lot of, like, fun dishes, a lot of different cultures, a lot of different techniques that they incorporate. And it's like, okay, cool, this is fun. And it feels like, you know, they, there, there was a good amount of thought and care put into the, the cooking behind it, which made Chokogeki a lot of fun to watch. That kind of goes away after, like, yeah, by, like, the second half of season three, when they introduce a character who is just awful and contributes nothing aside from being a mustache-twirling villain. And if that weren't enough, it gets even worse later on down the line because uh, I've kept up with the manga somewhat. Um, I really just know how people are upset with it. <laughs> it, mm-hmm. it it turns, first of all, it gets rid of, like, it, it sidelines a lot of side characters who show up for, like, maybe a bit here and there. But, yeah, say goodbye to, like, fun a fun cast. And the other part of it is that they completely mishandle the cooking by introducing, like, ass-pull magic. What? Yeah. I didn't know about yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> or it's like, oh, uh, with my knife, I can steal your technique and make mine taste even better. It's like, I they, they like, juggle chainsaws. And it's, it's really dumb. It's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can laugh, but it's like, it's that's just what Shokugeki has become. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's just not worth it because it loses right. sight of what made it fun in the first place. Yeah, and I know what part the anime is at what, when you described it to me. And that's exactly where I dropped the manga as well. Just because I'm like, I'm so not here for this. This isn't what I read the series for. I didn't read the series to have like kind stakes beyond the cooking. It's just like... I, yeah because well, up until that point like all the stakes is like okay if i beat you you'll hang up your knife it's like okay that's that's a fair stake that's mm-hmm. like that's understandable if you're a chef you put your pride in your cooking mm-hmm. and like that's the 
that's the biggest thing you could put on the line. But now it's evolved into trying to be more than that and to affect a greater scheme of things. And I'm just like, no, like th- I can only suspend my disbelief so far and I can't do it for this. Yeah, the, the writing feels a lot like it was written by a 10 year old who's coming up with it on the spot. <laughs> and it's just like uh it's a lot of arbitrary uh barriers that the characters have to overcome mm-hmm. and that makes it not a huge amount of fun to watch i mean well for any right. shonen like every bad shonen will like not have a very compelling will not have compelling stakes it'll be like oh you thought you were gonna win but how about my dark arts oh, yeah or like a bad on. villain too yeah, or a bad which villain. is it's inherent like, to that yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's just, yeah, that, that's my hard pass. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's in terms of hard, vil- uh, not interesting villain. That's like my main complaint for my hero too. It's just like, I cannot take hand face seriously at oh, all. Do- uh, that's but, not Dobby. Shigaraki. Yeah. 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 Shigaraki. Yeah, exactly. Hey, but yeah, that, that's not, that's not my yobayo. That, that's just me <laughs> right, commenting on that. My, yeah, my yobayo is a uh, cautious hero, which. Oh, I, really? The yeah. isekai? Yes. That's not describing anything this season, Kyle. Wait, but it is an isekai, yes. Oh well, uh, yes. There's like, I, yes, I'm there's sorry. like there's six like isekai five, six. this season. Yeah, yeah. I know the one you're talking okay. about, though. Right, yeah. So, cautious hero. <laughs> it started off well. Like the first episode, I was actually really into it. I because going into the series, I knew what it was about. Like the full name of the series is that the hero is overpowered but overly cautious and you can immediately tell what the series is about from that name alone and so i was ex- going into expecting some beta protagonist that's just kind of like a wimp and is really strong and doesn't realize it and i just didn't want that but instead you get this like really chad mofo who doesn't ch- take shit from anyone and he just literally is just like anal about being overprepared for everything mm-hmm. uh and i liked that initially and what i really like too is Basically, he has an accompanying goddess, the one that's summoned him to this world. And she's not like Aqua in that she's inherently a moron and useless, but she is useless in like the light of the hero because he's so overpowered. And so he's super abrasive to her. But she also has, she makes these hilarious faces and makes these, oh my God, it's snowing outside. Oh, (laughs) why is, why is Boston like this? I'm sorry. Anyways, it's raining. uh, I'd prefer rain. Anyways, uh, yeah, so the goddess Rista, yeah, so the way they animate her face, it's done in this style called runny egg style. And if you've ever seen a Little Witch Academia, which I think you have, Kyle, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the way they animate the faces there, like you can imagine like Akko pulling down her eyelids and exasperation, things like that. That's runny egg style. That's fun. And That's a fun cartoony style. Yeah, exactly. And so I love that style. They animate Rista the same way. And... There are so many scenes that I just had to like rewind and just watch again because mm-hmm. she's hilarious. But and so the first episode was very strong, mm-hmm. but then the second episode onwards, the shtick started to wear out its welcome very, very quickly. The main character Seiya is just so abrasive and abusive to everyone around him. It's just not completely, un- yeah, un- not fun, unreasonable, and the shtick about him being extra sure things are dead just got really boring very fast and so right now rista is the one that is absolutely carrying the show on her back i'm watching it just for her but i can i'll probably drop it in a moment's notice soon Mm. but um yeah they've introduced some new characters that the main character also treats like crap and it's just 
it, it hasn't evolved past its initial shtick at all. It's just all been right. repeating the same gag, the same jokes over and over and over again. The only thing it has going for it is that the the demon lords that the main character fights, like it, the show does do a very good job of showing like they are legitimate threats that under normal circumstances, they would absolutely have destroyed any other like isekai protagonist. Uh, but because he's so overprepared, mm-hmm. he can <clears throat> overcome it. And so they they at least make that uh, relevant. It's not like One Punch Man where uh, Saitama literally solves everything in one punch and it's over. Mm-hmm. And it, that one punch is, isn't even necessary. Right. Uh, sorry, I just saw some... Is this... I'm noticing... Oh my god. Okay, I have to clean this up. Uh-oh. I have some bike chain oil on my desk and apparently the container is leaking because oh. it's Oh god. Yeah, I'll clean that up later. It's not spreading much, but Oh, okay. Well, Lots of things I'm just noticing in the middle of the podcast now your right desk now. Is well oiled. Yeah, exactly. It's just telling me that I need to oil my chain. But anyways, coming back to uh, Cautious Hero, it needs some oil in its chains to loosen up mm. a little bit. Um so yeah, I'm <clears throat> Watch the first episode if you enjoy it, like I did. Then maybe keep watching it. But oh and man, so it's far, it's exhausting to watch at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess in a bit of a similar vein, um, maybe not as bad as it, but as far as you know, the the, the shows that are like kind of middling for me, it's like oh, we'll see how it goes. Um, you kind of talked about it in your capsule right above it, but Oriski. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I didn't write the capsule. Let Brent's write. Oh, Brent. Wrote it. Okay. Well, yeah. Brent, Brent's point on the capsule is that it's um it, it, it it's a lot of the same problems that cautious hero has where it feels like it's running off of the same shtick which is haha let's deconstruct and make fun of rom-com slice of life and in a way where everybody's kind of a jackass um and you can do that like konosuba does that <clears throat> where you know it's a deconstruction of the isekai genre and people are you know all the cast is like kind of a bunch of morons uh who aren't nice people (laughs) and are very Mm -hmm. self-centered but it knows how to balance it because you genuinely like feel for Cosma sometimes and you like a lot of the characters like they're still endearing oriski has a problem where like with cautious hero everybody's kind of abrasive and it's like "Mm, i don't know how much longer i can keep going with this um but it it does feel like that they're they're they are setting up like some degree of like through line and plot um so there's like the uh so there's the protagonist in then like the main love interest who's like a a a creepy stalker (laughs) Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like trying to intrude on what, on like he he wants to have an idyllic school life, um, and is like trying to set it up so that he is the protagonist to a rom com slice of life, but she's like, she's not interested in that. She's interested in the person behind it. it, it so th- there's some interesting stuff. It's just uh, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Um. Right. So if it keeps doing more of the same thing, hmm, not sure about that. But yeah, on the other hand, <clears throat> like I really like Orisuki and I was going to use that for my cockweave. but I changed it to something else because I knew you were going to use this for a mama. But um yeah, the reason I really like it is because it's not it's not like a bunny girl senpai where it's hyper realistic in that regard, but 
the kind of two-faced natures of the characters and the way they all have ulterior motives i'm just thinking like that's high school students um that's totally how Mm -hmm. people back then just would just kind of view things like i'm like the main character he's just trying to play the game and that's how a lot of high school students tried to do it back then and the way it kind of blows up in his face a lot is interesting but also he he has he he exemplifies the kind of character that he's a asshole but he does have a golden heart and that's usually like a trope that's just like oh man roll my eyes at it but they actually i think in joro's case they they set him up well enough to where it makes it believable that yes he has all these ulterior motives and he does these underhanded tasks but in the end he really does care about his friends and wants the best for them Mm -hmm. i think that's really exemplified in the first three episodes where even uh when things were falling apart around him with these girls it was shown that he really just wanted the best for his best friend at the same time. And I really enjoyed that about it. And I enjoyed in the second arc as well, where a lot of anime tote forgiveness, especially in rom-coms and coming together. And in the first arc, he forgave his best friend. But in the second arc, he's just like, I'm sorry, but no, you did a really fucked up thing. And I can't look past that. I don't want to associate with you at all. Please leave. And I think that is a really important lesson to show as well, that you can't forgive everything that someone does, yeah, even if they that, are that's fair. repentant. I, I think it's yeah. just, the issue for me is the way, that the, the sense of humor and the style um, that mm-hmm. the show has, which is, it, it's a bit much. It's very, right, yeah, it's, there's it's very definitely, excessive and yeah. over the top. Yeah, how everyone's always plotting something. I've definitely gotten that sense as well, but like it, for whatever reason, that hasn't bothered me as much as yeah. and, um, again, you it's and not Brent. that yeah. it's like bothering me like enough to like not watch it anymore and not recommend mm-hmm. it. It's just mm, I feel like I have to be like in the right mood for it, and depending on how it mm-hmm. ends, eh, we'll see. Yeah, um, I haven't seen the most recent episode, also, mm-hmm. so I'm not sure. Yeah, there's something well, in that. That's it's just. That. I, I think the other problem for me is that I've seen this l- exact premise just done better with Origairu. Um, Origairu, uh, the, the which, English title. Oh, is, the snafu. Yeah, my my yeah, uh, romantic yeah, yeah. teen comedy snafu. Which is getting a season three. Yeah, yeah. So it's nice, and yep. it's like in, in that one, you know, it's the same kind of thing where it's taking down these slice of life rom com tropes. But mm-hmm. it's not as over the top, and the characters are a little more endearing, and they still go through all the right. motions of like the tropes that you expect, and they subvert them in ways that you wouldn't mm-hmm. expect. But it, it's it's just I I I yeah. think it's scaled down a bit more to where it's more relatable and enjoyable. Right. So. I think the difference between those two for me is I like the snappiness of Orisuki, how okay. we got like an entire anime's worth of content in three episodes, That's basically. very fair. It is a very... Yeah. I, and that, that is the interesting part of it, where it's like, okay, they're, they're, it's not sitting on its hands. Yeah, um, exactly. It, it gets to the point. And I, I, yeah, yeah, I love Origami Era 2, and it did a very good job of crafting something over a course of um, a series. But something I really appreciate about Orisuki is that it, it utilizes misunderstandings well, where misunderstandings happen, but then... One person talks to another person, and that misunderstanding gets resolved. Wow, <laughs> mind blowing! If only that happened in other anime. And so, I, I definitely really appreciate it about that. <laughs> All right, moving on to my mama would be uh, average isekai, which the full name is. Didn't I say to make my abilities average in the next life? Ugh, 
I already hate it. Uh, well, I'm not sure because you were complaining how there's no slice of life moe blob this season, and this show is basically a slice of life moe blob isekai, where the main character in her previous life in Japan, she was just kind of like. She was this elite student that was the best at everything in her school. But because of that, like, she was kind of isolated. She didn't have any friends. Okay. And she didn't like that. And so she died in some happenstance. And then so the, she was reincarnated and the god asked, like, what do you want for your cheat ability? Like, Konosuba-esque. And she said, like, I would just be, like to be average, please. And so the god's like, okay, cool. But what that meant, though, is that he took the average of all living beings on this planet, including like this overpowered dragon god. And this dragon god is like the outlier of outliers. Oh, God. So you take the average of that and humans, and it puts you way above every other human still. And so she is like the superpowered human, but she still wants to live an average life. So she's trying to hide her powers, but she has difficulty doing wow. it. And so she eventually forms a party with these three other girls to become hunters, which are just adventurers. And they go off and have their own little shenanigans. And it's fun for the most part. It's gotten oddly dark at points. And I don't really like that. That's not what I came here for. But for the most part, it's fun Moe Blob slice of life. And mm. I'm enjoying it, but it's nothing more than that. All right. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's something that you could potentially enjoy, Kyle, since you're craving uh, that slice well, of okay, life. So like, what, what, what is, I guess, like, what, what's the tone to it? The tone, for the most part, like I said, is very jovial and laid back and just kind of like, there's a lot of jokes of, how do you know this? How can you do that? And the main character is like, oh, it's a um a, a family secret. Oh. And that's just what she falls back on every time when okay. someone becomes suspicious of her. Mm. But then in the recent episodes, there was these really dark flashback scenes that like gave the backstories of some of the new characters. And I'm just like, this is uncomfy. I don't like this. <laughs> But luck- luckily, they don't linger on that for too long. Okay, and I hope get, that, that doesn't come back too much. I'm not sure if there is a premise because there's no overarching story yet. It's just literally just those moments. Like, yeah. Into, like... So it's very episodic. Yeah, they're just, they're just taking. Yeah, it's very episodic. They're taking on quests to increase their hunter rank. All right, all right. Um, because the thing, the, the other joke is that everyone in the main character's party wants to become rich and famous, but the main character doesn't. And so. She's constantly trying to com- accomplish things in the most mundane way possible, but somehow makes it the most amazing way possible mm. each time. All right. Yeah. So that's that's mine. All right. Look, what is your wholehearted recommendation, Kakui? Oh God. Okay. Um. Let's see. I'm looking at the list here. <laughs> um. As far as like things I've seen. Um. I I like High School Girl. I I really like it. Um. Mm-hmm. And if only it was available readily. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that's the awkward part, you know. I am, you know, going going back to piracy. Um, <laughs> I may, or, I may or may not engage in that to watch uh, High Score Girl. But as far as shows that are currently able to watch, <laughs> um, easily, hmm. I feel like I mean, you could still talk about High Score Girl. You could just say that you've been watching it on a Japanese Netflix account. Yeah, totally. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that um, I, I like High Score Girl, and it goes back to the whole. I, it's interesting. Uh, just going back to the topic earlier of you know of high of how arcades used to be like this huge pr- presence, and not they they weren't just a form of entertainment. They were like 
its own little ecosystem and subculture. Mm-hmm. And High Score Girl does such a fantastic job of capturing that sentiment um, of, you know, spending hours in an arcade, like going there after school, hanging out with friends, like talking about games because you didn't have the internet back then. So you had to like go off of rumors and like, oh, you know, if you, you can get like the secret weapon here, if you do this on this stage and stuff like that. Um, or people like talking about different combos. Oh, man. For the schoolyard rumors. Yeah. I missed that. Oh, God, it's it's a lot of fun, and it captures that sense of that 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 sense of like childhood like mystery. Um, mm-hmm. Well, at, at the rate, that, that's like season one of High School Girl, and still does it in mm-hmm. season two. But season two focuses more on the rom the, on the romance side of things, um, and mm-hmm. how video games like tie into that rather than. It becomes, it goes from a coming of age story to a uh, romance semi-drama. Because uh, the, the, you follow the characters from when they're like 12 to 17. So Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. I didn't realize yeah, so, that. Yeah, there's a time skip from like season one to two, I think. Yeah, so it, it goes forward a few years in the future. Um, and so you see how like video games play a part in their, in different parts of their lives. Um, and it, it's really fun to see. It's just a very nice show. Um, and it's all in CG. And I, I actually really like the way the CG is done there. So, yeah, that gets a wholehearted mm-hmm. recommendation from me. Do you have a, a memory of a schoolyard rumor that you were just, like, totally into and believed wholeheartedly? And then it was just, like, you found out later you just cold-hearted lied to? I want to say it was probably Mew hiding under the truck what yeah explain i don't know this one huh so back when like pokemon red and blue oh that mew okay yeah so uh there was i forget where exactly there was like there is this rumor going around that if you like interacted with a certain truck in some part of the game you could encounter mew and fight them and you know capture them but that that's mm-hmm. probably like the one thing that I can recall. Um, mm-hmm. What about you? Um, so I had a friend in elementary school who, his dad was a game developer of some sort. Oh, okay. I don't know what kind because I was a dumb little kid mm-hmm. and didn't ask for details. But so that's why he his word had some credibility. So the original Mario and Luigi game on the Game Boy, that RPG, mm-hmm. he was telling me how. There was a spot in the game where if you hit it with your hammer, very specifically on a pixel perfect, it would like reveal a wall and you could go into it and get like a special new power in it that was like ice or electric based or something like that. And I bought that wholesale and went whacking every single wall in this area trying to find it. And when I went back to him, I was like, no, man, you just got to keep trying. I promise it's there. It's just total bullshit. And then I didn't learn my lesson because he did the same thing with Star Fox Adventures, where he told me there was a secret area where it was basically like a Zelda crossover, where you broke through a wall and there were like the bomb flowers from Zelda, and you you worked together with Link to solve a puzzle and get a reward at the end. Not there, (laughs) but I spent a lot of time looking for it. So, yep, there was no way to confirm the veracity of those rumors at the time. You just had to test it empirically. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that's it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't think he ever told me a single true thing about well, a video that's game. On you for following it. For following yep. for I was a dumb little kid 
<laughs> you would have been like 10 or 11 when Adventures came out. Which I guess, Maybe. yeah, I I don't remember. Remember. that's passable for being a dumb little kid. <laughs> All right. My Kakui Desu recommendation is... Uh, this is one that I never thought I would be recommending, but it is a Welcome to Demon School Iruma-kun. And this is a show that, and I wrote it in my capsule, how it just screams early 2000s with every fiber of its being. It has a very beta protagonist. It has a very, very stylized character designs, but very flat color palette. Everything is very, there's not really any shading to anything. Uh, the opening song is just this, complete weird mish mismatch hip-hop boy band thing i i'm so confused by it uh it's absolutely gonna be turning into a harem yet it is so much fun to watch maybe because we don't get too many shows like this anymore but so the basic premise of this is that the titular iramakun uh he can't say no to a favor at all and so his parents use him a lot to kind of take on odd jobs to pay for their debt. And one day his parents sell his soul to a demon for money. <laughs> and this demon basically bought his soul because all the other famous demons in the underworld, such as like Asmodeus and Lucifer and so on and so forth, have grandchildren that they're super proud about. Whereas this demon Sullivan doesn't have one. It's like, I want a grandchild that I can show off too. And so he literally buys a human oh to God. pretend to be his grandchild. And he dotes over Irma-kun constantly because he's so happy about it. And so now Irma has to go to the demon high school. Oh, Otherwise, there's no point to like being the grandson to this demon. And demons love to eat humans in this world like their anthem is like oh yes demons are delicious suck their blood dry or not demons humans are and so on and so forth and so he's terrified it's like i'm going to similar to average isekai it's like i'm going to stand out as little as possible but then of course he ends up standing as out as much as possible because he has this innate harem protag ability where he just has developed this way of dodging anything like He's always being attacked by something or some other back in his place. So he's just instinctually dodges things. And so that allows him to earn up this title of being the most powerful demon in the school, essentially. And it goes from there. And the gags are just spot on. The main friend, he ends up making legitimate friends. So he makes friends with um, Asmodeus and Clara Valak. I'm not sure what she's supposed to be based off of. But like the dynamic between Asmodeus and Clara is just phenomenal asmodeus is like the t the standard honor student claire is just this spaz who climbs all over people and hangs and just wants to have fun so the back and forth between them it's very it's almost aqua aqua and cosma-esque in a way and yeah th that's all i can really say about it. it's just legitimately funny it's and i wasn't expecting that show. from the show yeah i i went into it just expecting like oh i'm just going to have a brain dead moment where I'm just going to watch a harem show because sometimes I crave that for that simplicity. And it is a simple harem, but I wasn't expecting just the raw comedy value from mm. it as well. So is and it... the new character they just introduced with the recent episodes, is just such a great addition to mm -hmm. the student council president, basically. So it's like a lot of the, so the, the, the writing is good then. Or at least right. Good yeah. The writing is. is good. Yeah. And, Similar to My Hero, the, the it has a lot of interesting demon designs in the same mm. way like 
my hero has a lot of uh demi-human like designs it's it's the same way in that regard mm-hmm. um yeah the writing is spot on it's the, the way they deliver their jokes is spot on it's very uh manzai-esque straight man mm-hmm. uh full guy and it's one of those stories where you know irma is going to come out on top in every given situation so you're just in it for a fun ride of how, how he, he gets, gets there, there. Yeah. like what okay. ridiculous thing is going to happen between point a and point b all right and it usually ups the ante every single time beyond what you expect all right so a a surprise hit for you yeah and my friend who reads the manga who i actually respect his taste a lot because he's very picky about his uh series but he he really likes the manga he told me something that surprised him later on is how there's legitimate character development that happens in it that caught him completely off guard so i'm curious to see if we get a glimpse of that at all in the anime Mm -hmm. all right Mm -hmm. neat yeah yeah, definitely recommend that if you're just looking for a good time. All right, that about wraps up our show then. Uh, we are coming up at the end. Oh, yeah, so before I get into that, uh, talk about Goomba Stomp a little bit. So this podcast is in affiliation with GoombaStomp.com, which is the site that both Kyle and I write for. I am the anime editor for it. Kyle is the indie game editor for it. We publish all sorts of content, so between... This lovely podcast here, uh, game reviews, anime features, retrospectives, TV and movie shows, things like that. Um, it's all there. We pride ourselves in writing on things that we want to write, not just like what will get us clicks and views. We don't want to publish clickbaity things. And so we are very passionate about things about we passionate about the things we write. And one of the things that's coming up in the near future is the end of the year. And it's not just the end of the year, it's the end of the decade, which is reason to celebrate. We are currently in the process of putting together a top 50 anime of the decade list on top of the top 10 anime of the year. It's going to be a war zone. We're going to catch a lot of flack no matter what it is, but it's going to be a good time. So look forward to that within the next, before the end of the year, probably. So with that, Kyle, where can we find you at? You can find me at like the rogue on Twitter and my manga recommendation for this episode would be uh spy x family um did i recommend that before i feel like i did i don't know i feel like we talked about spy kids on the show before though. well we may it, it's not spy kids um <laughs> it's a similar level of camp though um okay yeah so spy x family is about uh this secret agent uh who needs to infiltrate uh, another nation and like get access to like a super important uh like government individual but in order to do that because this guy's like a super recluse the best way that he's figured out to get through to him is through his son so to do that he adopts a little girl and uh marries a woman that he meets and they they masquerade as a family but they oh wow (laughs) they don't all of them don't know that you know for one, he's a master spy, the wife is a master assassin, and the little girl is an esper. Uh, oh, man. So this sounds like such a fun time. It's, it's so good. It's so... It's just... It's good. It's really good. It's Spy, spy X Family? Spy X Family, yeah. You can oh, Yeah, I'll definitely have to check on, that out. I think it's on Viz. Uh, so, like, pay two bucks a month and you get to read, like, all of their Shonen Jump mangas. But yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. It's really well written. Um, the action is like legitimately really good too. Uh, but there's a lot of gags. Uh, it, it, it's just really, 
it now now that I've gone back to One Piece, um, what I really appreciate about Oda as an artist is that he pays a lot of attention to the visual gags, and that can be something that's like at the forefront or even like a little background joke. And the artist for Spy X Family does a lot of the same thing, where every panel has like a lot of attention to detail in the sense that he 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 knows what he wants you to be like read. Um. um. Yeah, and it's just a it's just a fun, good read overall. Yeah, I th- think I'll definitely check that out when we're done here. That sounds really cool. Yep, sixteen chapters All right. so far. So check it out. It, are they twenty or forty page chapters? Uh, they're like forty page. Cha- yeah, they're really long. Okay, cool. Really nice. So it's like it's thirty two normal chapters. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, you can find me at Musing Mojak, M U S I N G M O J A C K, and my anime recommendation. Uh, so I've been going through all of the anime. Of- the decade recently to put together this list and boy have i watched a lot of anime but <laughs> i was reminded of one of my favorite shows which is a kyoso giga which was a little bit of a lesser known show that aired back in 2012 uh that is so incredibly unique so japan has this innate fascination with alice in wonderland like you see so many pieces of media based off of it so many characters named alice that are like clearly inspired by it and so kyosu giga is another one of those kinds of alice in wonderland sort of stories except it's very they adapted very clearly for like a japanese asian uh flair to it so it's Hmm. it's kind of viewed through the lens of a buddhist person in a way and so instead of like the town through the looking glass you got kyoto through the looking glass Hmm. and so you have all these characters that are kind of uh, inspired by their Alice in Wonderland counterparts, but they are very distinctly Asian flavored and they don't have any resemblance to them. They don't have any of their tendencies, but they're, if you like pay attention, you'll see like little bits and pieces like, oh, you're kind of like the Mad Hatter, you're kind of like the Treasure Cat and so on and so forth. But it's just a very, what it comes down to it though, it's just a very heartwarming story about family and what it means to be family and the importance of family bonds. And as corny as that sounds, like when you have a good story about family, it is just one of the most fuzzy, warm feelings mm-hmm. out there you can get with any piece of media. That's on top of extremely colorful palette, like yeah, very bombastic I, I just looked it up. scenes. I really like this um, art style. Yeah, and the soundtrack, the soundtrack mm. is mind-blowingly phenomenal, uh, done by uh, composer Go Shina. It's t- entirely orchestral. And there are so many times where I'll just listen to the soundtrack while doing things because it could is just phenomenal even on its own. So I highly recommend that. It's only 11 episodes. The thing you have to get, watch out for, though, is I think on Crunchyroll it shows episode zero first. I don't recommend watching episode zero first because it's kind of like very confusing. It doesn't explain anything, so it might put you off. So save episode zero for when you're done with the series. Um, but yeah, start with episode oh, one. Yeah, it's like a pre- uh, the main character is voiced by uh, Rie Kukamiya as well. Oh. She's not a Cinderella, yeah. That. Yeah, and so it's just, there's not nothing quite like it, and I cannot recommend it enough. And you can bet your ass that it's going to be on our top 50 anime of the decade list. <laughs> Alright. Looks good. Mm-hmm. You gave me one, I give you one. Alright, that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us. We will see you in December for our last episode of the year. Uh Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Ciao. Time to clean up this bike oil. (laughs) 